0: You're listening to Outside Radio. Welcome to Queering It Up, a show that talks about all things gayness, all things queerness, all things, everything relating to the LGBTQI plus community. I am your host, Lele. And this show is on outside radio. Today's host is none other than Michael Tsai. I say Tsai, right? That's correct. Michael Tsai, a restauranteur, business owner, philanthropist, a seasoned and iconic drag queen um, who's doing it all.
1: Well, I try to do
0: it. (laughs) Maybe not well,
1: you know, all of it. But
0: And people have recommended you to me, so that means you're doing something well. Well, I'm flattered. Thank (laughs) you. So how did you get involved in so many things, like all of it?
1: Well, I'm the kind of personality that just can't sit still. So I'd like to have my hands and my fingers everywhere. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I started off my first job was uh, in restaurants. And so that's kind of the natural path I took. You know, and then uh, after opening my restaurants here, I started to get into philanthropy. I was always into drag, so I'm also a drag queen. Um, and, you know, I also tied that with philanthropy. It's just my passions. You know, and everything I do,
0: I love. Mm-hmm. So I love a lot of things, so I do a lot of things. <laughs> Which one is the one that you do on the day? You the restaurant here? You uh, own a well, restaurant? Yes, I own a
1: restaurant, and that is in the Hutongs. Uh-huh. Um... But my everyday job, I work at Slow Boat Brewery, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm their special events manager. So basically, I'm in charge of uh, fun things. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Mm-hmm. I, also,
0: do you have drag
1: shows there? Uh, we do have drag queens representing once in a while, yes. Uh, not really big drag shows yet. We had a drag show that was supposed to go on for the New Year's, mm-hmm. but because of covid that got shut down, and that was going to be a big uh, production. So unfortunately, we have to postpone. Um, we do have a hump night that we do on Wednesdays. What is that? I saw you said you do hump night. I was like hump night. <laughs> so it, you know, it's Wednesday. It's the uh, the middle of the week. The hump hump day, right? Uh-huh. Hump night. So it's just a chance for like a chill place to get together and you know have a margarita or two and. Sometimes our drag queens show up, sometimes, they you don't. Know, you never know, you know, we don't want to put it out there in case someone's listening and they want to, yeah. you know, how that goes. <laughs> so you never know what to expect on these nights. Can you tell us a bit, like, where you come from? Uh, well, I was born and raised in uh, Los Angeles, California. My parents are from Taiwan, born and raised there. My mother is uh, Chinese descent. Mm-hmm. My father is Taiwanese descent. Um, so that's kind of it So um, you have
0: triple citizenship? No, you can't have triple no, citizenship
1: Just the singular, the I US reckon. Yes.
0: Oh, okay Then just, uh, how did you start with drag? Let's jump right into it Oh Well, I was, I think, 16 uh-huh.
1: And a good friend of mine uh, Who was already in college at the time uh, At UCLA Had a gay ball Or like gay prom You know, you guys heard of proms, just an excuse for... uh, To dress up. Yeah, to dress up, you know, (laughs) fancy, right? Uh, So I was like, well, if you're going to go as a man and you need a date, I guess maybe I'll just go as a woman. And so that was my first dabble in drag, I guess. You know, I would call it cross-dressing because it was sloppy makeup, you know, ill-fitting heels, and... You didn't know what you were doing. I didn't know. I didn't know at all. But... I had the time of my life of course because you know being naive you know that's the greatest gift ever right (laughs) um so that was my first time and from there it just kind of built you know in college i would go out and drag once in a while and get reactions from people but i didn't really get into the performance part of things until uh beijing Ah. and so for that part um, i've already been a drag queen Uh, performing for the past four years? Here in Beijing. In Beijing. Uh, Started the drag house, House of Lily. You started it? Yes. Okay, bitch. I am Tiger Lily of the House of Lily.
0: (laughs) Oh, MC had mentioned uh, a Michael, but I didn't know, like,
1: who it was. I hope he wasn't throwing shade. (laughs) Because I
0: got that bitch
1: on speed. (laughs) Not at
0: all. (laughs) All right. They actually give you a lot of praises. All right. So yes, I like, girl. now. <laughs> so what pushed you to continue doing it and not do the performance side when you were still in America? Well, in America,
1: uh, I just, I liked the reactions that you'd get from people, right? So, yeah, admittedly, it's about attention. You know, drag queens, come on. We're doing it for attention. Nobody's mm-hmm. like, uh, don't look at me in drag. <laughs> so there's that. Um, but what pushed me more importantly to... Uh, to drag, like to make a drag house in Beijing, was because there were a lot of drag queens already here, and for years they've been trying to become an established thing. But uh, that was since two thousand and fourteen. The last the last time I can remember that somebody tried to do like a legit- legitimate drag thing, mm-hmm. and what I witnessed was the drag queens couldn't get their footing because. They were being uh, treated as a side show and not being paid properly. Mm -hmm. And doing drag is very expensive and it's time consuming. So my idea was to create this house so that we can uh, rally behind each other, support each other, and organize. Mm -hmm. So now we are properly paid. We take gigs only when it's worth it for us or it makes sense for the house. And nobody gets taken advantage of. And that's So you why...
0: foresee all of that.
1: Yes. As the Well we have a team. Okay. Uh so I'm Mama San and so I kind of take care of the business sides of things. Uh we have a mama. So she grooms these girls for, you know, makeup and hair and stuff like that. So
0: that's you. Oh, uh, that's another. That's okay. a mama. That's the mama. I'm the mama-san. Okay, the difference yeah. now. Those are the nuances. Okay. So the mama-san is the H B I C.
1: Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm and then the yeah the mama is like you better look good that's yeah. it um then we have you know other other girls that pitch in to do different things you know big purchases for the show or organizing
0: the, the show itself like that so uh how when you started it right how was the culture compared to the one in america that you came from
1: uh well the culture for drag here it's even now, we're still in the phase of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's it's such a large market. There's no mainstream exposure. There are local drag queens that you know do their the craft well, <clears throat> but they don't typically come out to perform. Mm-hmm. What they do is they live stream, oh, okay. or they do Douyin, or they do, you know these video platforms, Why online platforms. Said, well, they do that because it's a way for them to hide behind a screen. Um, you know, the interaction part, which is so important for being a drag queen, you know, connecting with the, the audience, audience, you yeah. know, it's hard for a local person to do it. And the House of Lily, what we try to do is to bring our local queens also out of their shells so that they can better interact and like learn what the real craft is about. Um, and so, you know, there's still ways to go. That's why I say we're still in the education phase of things. Where do you see, foresee it going in like, let's say two years? Uh, In two years, I hope that this house can start, you know, um, having a regular venue. Uh, You know, we have regular venues once in a while, but, you know, things happen to venues here, as you might know. Um, You know, one day it's fine to do what you're doing, the next day it's not fine. So things just change. Things change. And, you know, we adapt. Mm -hmm. But hopefully we can have something a little bit more permanent. Uh, our house dream is to have a drag bar of our Ooh, own be so fun. yeah yeah a lot of us are ex-bartenders as well so you know we're very good at doing, doing bar it.
0: things <laughs> in addition to drag things so why not put them together how has the crowd then responded to house of lady and how has it progressed to now Oh, so we definitely have been growing in our uh, Mm
1: -hmm. audience-ship. It started out as mainly an expat-focused thing. Uh, And we try to access more of the Chinese crowd because we feel it's our job really to educate the Chinese people. Because we're in China, and this is our market, and that's where they, really where the, the lack is. Yeah. So foreigners, yes, they come out to support, but we don't have to educate them as much. So we're getting more and more Chinese people interested, and also more and more Chinese queens noticing us wanting to join the house. And how do, how do you get people to join? So a lot of times, you know, it's just through contacts, and we'll get contact in, in contact with them. We have a rigorous process of them joining the house. Ooh. Yes.
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) The whole thing. What what do you do? What do you do? So the process really isn't about them being good at drag. They don't have to be good. You can not have any makeup skills. You can be really bad at lip syncing. You could, you know, not know how to dance. That's totally fine. You just have to have a willingness to learn. You have to have the time to learn. And then what we ask is you get up on stage, you do your audition, and we see some kind of potential, and you know, a lack of, you know, stage fright is what really we need, right? And we need that like passion in the eyes. If we see that great. Then we ask that you do two shows, mm-hmm. uh, accompanying another queen of the house, and then after that we can talk about paid gigs. Mm-hmm. And then
0: every show you're supposed to Once uh, you've improve, uh, gotten comfortable in what you're doing. Yes. Then you can start. You morning.
1: Start performing, you can uh, get paid for your work. And that—that that is the one point that we try to stress is that what we do needs to get paid for because this is real work.
0: It's an art form. Mm-hmm. Yes. You can't just do it. Because also, some people like me, we just know drag from Drag Race. Yes. We're exposed to Drag Race and that's how we got involved and knew about it. So, And you see on Drag Race that it takes a whole a Whole lot, <laughs> it takes a whole lot to actually do it, so people need to get paid for it. Yes, and what happens to those then that what happens to gigs that don't want to pay? Uh, so we don't take them, okay. Uh, but we'll also take it by case by case,
1: so like we might negotiate different rates, mm-hmm. different depending on uh, you know, the capacity of the venue. Or they mean something to the community and, you know, they're doing a charity thing, fine. House of Lily started off as basically a charity house um, Mm -hmm. where we would work with different charities and we've raised over 100,000 RMB. Oh, shit. Yes. But they got to a point where the queens couldn't afford their own wigs anymore or their own costumes anymore. So we had to get to a monetized uh, platform for ourselves.
0: Otherwise, we just cannot uh, afford to do this. Yeah, that's true. And then, so, in terms of sexuality, right, you don't need to be gay to no, do drag. Definitely not. Drag
1: is a performance art. It's a performance. Yeah, you just have to be a performer. And how did
0: your family react to that?
1: Um, At the time, you know, they didn't know I was gay. Mm-hmm. But my mom saw me in a dress. She was like, oh, that's, you're pretty. I was like, all right, cool. Thank you. Yeah, Um, you know, they didn't find out I was Officially, you know, maybe she always knew, gay until I was 21. So, you know, that was a few years later. Uh, But yeah, to go back to the sexuality part, our house has a drag king. um, And I guess in this context, we'll call her a he. (laughs) So he is uh, straight mostly. Oh. Yeah. And, you know, so there's that aspect of it. Um, And we have had... What is straight mostly? Uh, straight. Maybe interested in women sometimes. Okay. Yeah, lives that life is. mostly as a straight man, woman. Oh, straight I mean, man. but as drag king. I'm talking about the king. Okay, it's confusing.
0: <laughs> so he
1: or, or she? She's a woman. She's a woman, but is a drag, is a drag king. king. Ah. Yes. So we also have had uh, people in the house. Okay, uh, we've gone through rotations and people who have left the country. We've had uh, people who just, like a straight man, who likes to dress as a woman. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's that aspect of it. So it doesn't have to be a gay, or a straight, or a middle, or anything, it can be anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, how did you become Mama's son?
1: Well, Mama's done by default, I say, mm-hmm. uh, because I was the one that organized the house to get together. Mm-hmm. But then I'm also the one with the business background, so mm-hmm. it just kind of made sense that I took over the business aspects of things. I don't, I don't, you know, try to pretend that I'm the best at makeup, I'm the mm-hmm. best at hair, or anything like that. You know, I leave that to the Mama, and our Mama is the one that actually has taught us a lot about the art of drag. Uh-huh. And I teach the business of drag. The business of it. Yeah. So do you still perform? I do still perform. I mostly emcee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do perform. I I will admit I lack the ability to uh, lip sync well. Okay. But I'm great at ad living, So emceeing is perfectly fine for me. <laughs> and I like to stay on that track. But if they need me on the stage sometimes, I'm fine. My persona is a trashy Jersey housewife. <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes I'm just too drunk to... Do what I need to do. But then I get up there anyways and,
0: and pretend did. to do it. <laughs> can you just explain for us what, how drag families are formed? Because we, we see it on things like Pose where they explain. We've watched Paris is Burning. But I don't really know the nuances of it. Like how, it, how is it formed? Uh, who it consists of? Like, Can you just give us a brief explanation of that? Well, I'm not sure how other houses form. They might
1: form because they have a similar aesthetic or they might have a similar geographic area. Mm -hmm. And I definitely, I feel that's, you know, that's where we sit. This is our geographic area. There's really no other houses out there. We are, as far as we are concerned, China's only drag house. China, throughout China. Yeah, there are other, uh, there's voguing houses. Mm -hmm. And that came out later, but... We're the only drag house that we know of. Um, you know, we and we, our queens bond together because we have a shared passion for the city and we want to bring drag to the masses. And we understand that it is our duty to educate the local market on this. And so that's kind of where we lie on it. Um, you know, our drag house also has uh, older queens, you know, in their 40s to young queens in like 18, 19, you know. Right in college
0: There's
1: a huge range Huge range And part of what we do as well Is we try to fund the, the younger queens uh, Through our own performances And we donate to a house fund And, you know, we do fundraisers And stuff like that as well Because it's expensive And yes. for you to even get started To buy that first wig You
0: have to have a budget With visibility, right? How, what Because I know about House of Lily, But I don't know about house of lily i know because i'm friends with mc sure so a lot of also my other friends know because of we have someone who is connected in the drag space but for anyone who's not necessarily connected i would like to know how where is house of lily so house of lily
1: is everywhere and nowhere okay and the nowhere part is a uniquely china thing okay And we must be nowhere, but everywhere at the same time, because we're not always allowed to do what we want to do. So our profile needs to be kept within certain circles Mm -hmm. and only put out when absolutely necessary to the public. Doesn't that stifle you guys from growing? It does, but it's part of the gig in this country, and you know what, that's... Not okay, but it's okay. You know, we still have the freedom to do what we need to do. We do find our niche uh, markets and our venues, people who support us. And that makes that that much more special, I think, because we are able to tap into our real supporters. Um, Yeah, of course, in a perfect world, we can be loud and proud and you know the queens are coming but
0: unfortunately that's not the environment we live in that's true so like with south africa uh we just as i was saying we just celebrated our human rights day right on sunday so that happened because there was a sharpville massacre um uh, 1960 i think 21st of march 1960 and it was basically people protesting not to carry the the pass the, the passes So, what does human rights mean to you as a gay Chinese man? Of Chinese descent, Um, because you're American. (laughs) Uh, Human
1: rights, to me, just means the freedom to be who you are Mm -hmm. and to do what makes you happy and to not be persecuted for not being able to control who you are.
0: I mean, I think that's the... The, the basicness of it. So where do you think uh, China then stands in comparison to the rest of the world with equality for people of our community? I would say that China is quite tolerant mm-hmm.
1: with the LGBT community. They just don't like us making noise. Yeah, Which is fine. And I get it. Because, you know, uh, every country has their own value system. They don't want us to make the noise, but they allow us
0: to be who we are. Like, basically, be you, but be you there and quiet. Uh, Be there, not so loud. Not so loud, yeah. Yes. Mind your business over there.
1: Right. And, you know, keep it within your circles. And they're okay with that. Beijing has one of the largest gay clubs that's openly gay in China. And, you know, it's been open for the past... 15 years or whatnot. China's that one? Destination. Oh, destination, yeah. Yeah, so it's huge. And other gay bars have opened up, you know, throughout the years. They just have not been able to beat the business of destination. And it has nothing to do with China. Yeah. So there's that, you know. And So you can't really say that China is saying, you know, anti-gay or anything. They allow us to have the LGBT center operating here. Um, they might not have them, allow them to do what they fully what want, they to, want do, to do. But they allow them to exist. Um, the biggest talk show host in China is a transgender woman. Oh, really? Yes. I forget her name. You'll have to look her up. Uh But she is super popular and uh, within the mainstream crowd. Because I was going to ask you about um, uh, representation in media. I mean, there's definitely representation here. The thing is, like, they just don't make it the sole focus of who they are, right? But they allow them to have that backstory of they are transgendered, they are gay, they There's are lesbian. a lot of
0: opportunities then Yes. for members of the community. There are. What do you think then it would take for the country to legalize same-sex marriage and um, couples uh, adopting and being parents? For me, it always
1: comes... When I think about rep- uh, oppression of, like, same-sex marriage and same-sex, you know, relationships, mm-hmm. it has to do with religion yeah. or it has to do with population control. Mm-hmm. And re- a lot of times religion and population control actually go hand in hand. And I feel that religion doesn't like homosexual relationships because they don't produce as many children. And the backbone of a surviving religion is reproduction of those religious families. Mm. And China now is also going through a time where there's depopulation. And who knows? That might be playing a part in into this like recent kind of rhetoric of you know, not anti, but more a little bit more stifled LGBT, Mm. you know, rhetoric, right? So
0: that might have a thing, uh, a role happen. to play into this. Oh shit, I didn't think of it like that. So which is basically beneficial to us then. In a sense, it's beneficial because if they want to depopulate. Ooh, English. De- <laughs> to, to cut down on population. Oh well, no, sorry. They
1: don't want. So the population is depopulizing now. Yeah. But in that. Bad for the country. Oh, really? So they want the population to, to go back up, up, up. Oh. And the problem is, heterosexual couples are not reproducing enough to cover the depopulation.
0: Oh snap! I thought it was a good thing. I was about to say it, it was, was a good
1: thing until it's a bad thing, and the, there's not enough workers to cover the pension
0: fund. oh Okay. Now that makes sense. And then as a married man. Uh, you married, obviously, in America, right? Yes. And then coming here, are you guys seen as a a married couple? Uh, we're not recognized
1: officially, no, as a married couple. Um, or unofficially, really, by the government. Uh, but we live openly as a married couple here. And, uh, you know, we've never had issues. We've never been discriminated against at work or through our businesses or through... Community, so I would say I feel a lot safer here being a married gay couple Than back in the States States. How so? Uh, Definitely in the the current climate with things, you know, you just First-hand accounts from friends, you know, first of all about being Asian or, you know, the Asian hate right now then you also have the... Add homosexuality. The, right. Yeah, add the homosexuality, right? I'm a gay Asian man. Um, I'd much rather be here. And, you know, considering we've never faced any kind of discrimination here, I would say that's a plus
0: compared to the US. That's true. So what are some of the hardships that you faced as a gay Asian man? You mean in general or in In China? general. In chi- uh, in general, um, then bring it back to China. I feel. Surely, you've had like some microaggressions. Or I have. I've had
1: microaggressions mainly when I've traveled to South America, uh-huh. uh, where Asians aren't really seen um, a lot of around. So you know, I'll get the occasional like kung fu mm-hmm. like references or the nihaus, you know. And, you know, they'd laugh and go away. But nothing too bad. So nothing for me to complain about, really. Um, Now, if I were discriminated against in the U.S. for whatever reason, you know, for jobs or school or whatever, I certainly was naive to it. I'm sure it's happened. Yeah. But I was naive to it. But, to be fair, I also grew up in a heavily uh, immigrant part of Los Angeles. Mainly consisting of Hispanics and Asians, so you know we were also in a bubble. Mm-hmm. But then I went to college in on the East Coast, which East was Coast all is in Rhode, York, I- Rhode Island, New York <gasps> over there. If I went to school in Rhode Island, and you know that's very diverse as well. So fortunately, I've never had to be in middle of America mm-hmm. or southern parts of America, or definitely that. I would have had, you know, uh, discrimination. Discrimination.
0: So what do you think it would take for society to actually just fucking get on board? Because (laughs) we're not going anywhere. I think it's just human nature that it it just will
1: not because, um, society is oftentimes split into educated and the less educated. And when you're not as educated, you're not afforded the, the types of access to different cultures or... Uh, jobs that allow you to afford these
0: experiences you just will never understand that's true what are your thoughts on because I was watching this other time on, I think it was on Netflix uh, this documentary about gay conversion happening here in China so what are your thoughts on that on gay conversion as a whole not necessarily just in China well in in terms of for China it's the first time I'm hearing about it Um, you know I
1: I'm not usually part of those conversations. Um, in America, I've had friends who have gone through uh, gay conversion therapy in high school. Oh, really? And it's damaging. Um, because it, as we know, for the educated, you can't convert out of being gay. No. Uh, so that scars, scars you. That scars you in... The trust that you put into people, or it scars you, and you know the the confidence that you have in
0: yourself. Going back to childhood, Michael. Yes. Let's take it way back. How did you find out? Or know, When did you know that? I'm she... mm. gay. Okay. When I was four. Four. Is my the
1: first time that I can recall being attracted to a boy. He was also four. Um, and, you know, as kids do, you get a little touchy with each other. I remember that. Um, you know, I remember I liked it. You know, we were both poor and that's what you do. And that was it. You know, uh... Is he gay now? I don't know. I
0: mean, that lost contact. (laughs) (laughs) That would be an interesting follow-up. I would have to look him up. And then as time progressed then, okay, it was four years old and then as you started understanding sexuality when was that first time you were like i am gay when you could label it because i feel i feel like four years old you couldn't fully like label right that this is what it is
1: uh i would say nine maybe yeah well it's it wasn't so much the label of gay as much as the okay i'm certain i don't like women Mm. Yeah, because I think the the labeling is not that important, but I did recognize that I specifically
0: liked boys. Women were not your portion. No. So then uh, you did that. How was high school dealing with that? How was primary and high school? How was your schooling years dealing with sexuality? Uh, well, I went to
1: pretty macho schools, because we're immigrant communities uh, are raised to be very macho. Uh, Because they're usually first generation and you come from families that are struggling or families that are, you know, they have to tough through things. So I wouldn't say it was the easiest. But when I got towards the end of high school, things got a lot easier because I was more sure of myself. Then I learned to surround myself with people who understood or people who maybe are similar. Uh, but before that, you know, you still don't understand the, 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 like, who you can trust. Yeah. Right. So you kind of are friends with everyone or anyone. And then,
0: you know, you still work through it and you get hurt along the way. Then growing up in that community, because it was so close-knit, right? Um, you told your, your mom, how did the community react to you being fine with your sexuality? Uh,
1: well, the community as in, like, my family circle. Family first, then going outside Um, the house. I've always lived with this kind of attitude of, like, this is who I am, and if you don't like it, then you're not, you shouldn't be part of my life. But saying that, I realize it's a a privilege to say that, because you can only do that when you're not dependent on your immediate circle for living yeah so from when i was 18 i went off to college then i uh basically moved out of the house i've always been independent uh i've been working since i was 14 so i've always had some of my own money um and me working hard now and building up my businesses and my circles and charities and doing my work it's all a a product of that to make sure that I don't have to be dependent on any one person or any one group in case they decide one day that I'm not their ideal person, mm-hmm. right? Because
0: of being gay. Because of... So that's that helps. Yeah, <laughs> that did help actually. If you grow, uh, grow up telling yourself that fuck you, if you if you try to mess up this situation, yeah. Then I'm not here for it. Exactly. And then, do you mind uh, sharing some like on how your dating life has gone? Well, that you ended up even being married. Ah, uh,
1: my da- okay. So I had a fiance before this marriage. Uh, was we were together at college, you know, boyfriends, fiance for you know three years. Then the day that I, oh, that we broke up was the night that I met my current husband, oh. and he was celebrating his, like, uh, departure to China. Mm-hmm. And he studied Chinese at UCLA. So, also UCLA. You also went to UCLA? Uh, I did not. I uh-huh. am just going to Rhode Island. Um, and so he learned Chinese, and he was one week away from coming to China. Uh, he had Ooh, your, your husband m- now. My now husband. Yep. He had met me, uh, or he saw me across the bar, Pulled my friend and said, "Who's this guy?" Me, and, and she introduced me. Uh, he spoke Chinese to me, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> um, fell in love with him, but I was super trash, so who knows? Uh, but it, you know, it was like a fairy tale meeting. Then a week later, when he had left, I said, "Look, I'll, I'll come with you." So I met him, only knowing him. I met him in China again. Only after knowing him for a week in the US and then talking for another month. And that was here and we've been together since for 12 years.
0: Shit, you've been married for 12 years? Well, together for 12, married for five. Ah, so you just jumped up. You were like, okay, this guy, I like him. I'm going for it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, are you listening, people? If you like something or someone... Go for it. Don't be taking your time and just do it. This is advice I should be taking. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling people they I should be taking it. Then for marriage, how did you decide, like, I'm ready for marriage? Well, my husband's... Is he family- also Chinese? No,
1: my husband's family is... Ha- uh, well, they're Danish and uh, Chilean. Oh. So he speaks Spanish, Chinese, English. Uh... The whole family speaks Spanish because they are Mormons who primarily serve their missions in South America. Uh, So with that in mind, marriage is significant um, to Mormons because they marry early, they have a lot of kids, they grow up around this whole idea of like marriage and then that's it. Um, So for him it's very important For me, it's important as well. But we also had to overcome the fact that his family is Mormon and Mormonism does not support gayness.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was about to ask that. So how did you guys maneuver
1: that? Uh, Well, his his mother didn't take it very well. Um, She was a Catholic first, Mm -hmm. then converted to Mormonism because being a Catholic wasn't strict enough for her. Uh, so when she found out, she took a knife to her hair and chopped it all off in a very dramatic, very drag queen-esque scene, actually. And threw it all across the kitchen. Didn't eat for three days. Finally got hungry. And then (laughs) then came back down. You know, that's it. Um. No, for real? For real. Oh. Yeah. And then his father, uh, was a pastor at the time. And, uh. For me, I would say he is the definition of what a Christian man should be like. The father. Yes. Because yeah. he, he has never outwardly judged us. He has always uh, embraced us and accepted us and never told us that we shouldn't be gay or we shouldn't marry or anything like that. What he's really thinking, I don't know. I don't know. But does it matter? No. Nope, doesn't. doesn't matter. Because he's always shown me kindness. As long as he's treating you well, that's all that matters. Exactly. And so, after a few years of just, you know, really, I still have to prove that I'm not, you know, like, the gay relationship is just as strong as a straight relationship. Then we were like, okay, time for marriage. You know, we've been engaged for a while already. We got engaged our second year into the relationship. So, we were engaged for, like, four years or something. And then we
0: finally said, okay, it's time to marry. It's time to do that. Would you guys, had America not legalized uh, same-sex marriages, would you guys have gotten married somewhere else? Um, or would probably a not. be off because the table? I think
1: we would just have entered into a civil union. Um, you know, having the privilege these days to be married, you know, of course we wanted to take it. Mm.
0: Yeah. How, it took so long for America to legalize it. Because we legalized in South Africa in 2006. I mean, let's not forget, 2006 also isn't that long ago. It's that long ago, <laughs> but I'm like a whole African country legalizing for America. I was like, okay, bitch, y'all are behind in something. I mean, <laughs> I don't think any of your listeners will be surprised. True that. Because uh, at first, because when we grew up, we didn't have all at, like, access to what's happening. But now, as digital, digital age, we see what these countries are for. Exactly. I'm just put it like that. America has come to light. Yeah. America has come to full light, definitely. And then charities—you feed, you feed old people. Uh yes, that's a passion
1: of mine. I think it's a passion of a lot of people. Old people. <laughs> um, so, it started off as a Buddhist mission through an acquaintance, and she would. Um, Take hot food to these grandmas that were homeless near the Beijing station, Beijing uh, train station, and they, you know, they're permanently camped out there even through the harshest of winters. So this person, uh, you know, lived very, very far in Fengtai, which is like a two-hour drive into the city. Uh, I decided to take over and create an actual organization out of it. Uh, It's an unofficial organization, but we get donor money and we get volunteers to help us now um, to make food, pack food, uh, get donations of hand creams, you know, sanitary supplies, warm clothing, donated blankets, medicine. Do you do do it just
0: yourself or do you do it
1: with the house? I do it. That's my own thing. So, um, yeah,
0: I do it for myself, really, yeah and then they've they never questioned your sexuality
1: uh no i because mean you know
0: old people how old people. <laughs> i we're always on a mission to just see who's
1: uh camped out so yeah. there's not a lot of time for us to have deep conversations because we're we're trying to fill their basic necessities you know of, for survival
0: what type of drag queen are you
1: Uh, I am a ratchet, um, take-me-as-I-am drag queen. I will bring it only to as far as much as I am drunk.
0: So if I were to put it with Drag Race people, then I can think of. So you, you old adore? Admittedly, I've never watched Drag Race. What?
1: Yes. Why? Um... Honestly, like the whole drag, the drag queen part of things doesn't really interest me too much. Mm -hmm. I enjoy the running of things, the business part of things. I enjoy the spontaneity of things. um, And the performance part of it itself. It's secondary for me uh, okay. does, your, does, does your husband do drag as well? He does not do drag And I will not allow him to do it Because there can only be
0: one drag <laughs> queen in this house How does he feel when you are in, in drag?
1: Um, he's told me on multiple occasions That uh, he can't really look at me In the same way for a few <laughs> days After he sees me in drag <laughs> oh,
0: no. Because my
1: personality in drag Is it's just different. so different from who I am what makes Michael tick? What makes me tick? Uh, Disingenuine people. Oh, really? Yes. Why? 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 Because I myself am very straightforward. Uh-huh. And what you get from me, what you see is what you get from me. And if you are trying to be shady or you're trying to be disingenuine, you know, you have your all. Your, your agenda, it's like, I don't need that noise.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. And no I, I like to think that I've learned to see it quite quickly. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, that makes me really tick, which is why I also enjoy having the, the house, because we're all on the same page. Yeah. How many members are there? There are currently 13 members. 13, like, official members. Yes. And then some are still... Um, and then the ones that are away, like, total, I would say we have...
0: We're a 16 or a 17-member house. Where do you see House of Lily going um, in the next five years? I, COVID aside.
1: I hope that we can become mainstream enough. Um, maybe some producer picks us up for a TV yeah, show. Sure. Who
0: knows? Maybe you go on the, on the, uh, the talk shows. Uh, the lady, the talk show host, oh yeah,
1: um well, she is not allowed to really talk about LGBT things, so there's that uh, <laughs> so you guys are just here in Beijing for now we 're just in Beijing, but we have gone down to Shanghai to perform. Mm-hmm. We also do digital performances or we do videos, so we try to get ourselves out that way. you know, we have Instagram. We like MC mm-hmm. and uh, Elizabeth Stride was hostesses on blood Yeah, Rick was there. Yeah, so yes, with Rick Hall, that. and so that was through House of Lily. That was through yeah, us getting
0: that gig. How has how has uh the public's reception of 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 a House of Lily been after that big explosion? Um, big. Well, that thing
1: was. Aired uh, overseas, okay. So there was no immediate local exposure. Uh, so we unfortunately didn't get to ride a wave of anything locally.
0: Didn't you guys play it somewhere? Like meetup, up, uh, probably in Red Dog. We we played it it at Anchor. Oh, at an Anchor. Yeah, a small one.
1: That's yes, yeah, small, and it was just for our you know people that we knew.
0: Would you take House of Lily to America?
1: Honestly, because you I, are a businessman. So. We've had um, RuPaul girls wanting to come to China. Oh, really? Yes.
0: But... And you don't even watch them? No. <laughs> but it's, it's... You
1: know, they wanted to work with the house here. But it's just uh, so prohibi- prohibitively expensive in China. So, like, to fly here, to stay yeah, here, yeah. to... And... Because you'd have to cover all the costs. We'd have to cover it through performances. And...
0: The bars here, their budgets are just not high enough. But I think people would actually come. Because I know would... a lot from my South African market, a lot of people watch Drag Race. Sure. And if you were to get someone, hike those motherfucking uh, ticket prices, sell those <laughs> the alcohol. I help. totally agree sure. with you.
1: But the places that could have capacity for us are places that are already full. And so... And the chances, yes, the and the chances of them sharing revenue with us are very low. Oh shit!
0: So you'd be running at a loss in a sense. Exactly. And then what makes and you just like, for the venue, uh, benefit. Surely someone can do something.
1: I mean, if we got a RuPaul girl out here, yeah. we definitely need a space bigger than Destination.
0: I mean, obviously, you're not gonna get like. The big group, You're not going to get your Alaskas and your...
1: Uh, we had who named Asia? Or- Asia O'Hara. Or something.
0: <laughs> I need to- so ah. If it's Asia, okay, Asia is big. Okay, I don't know then. I have to confirm this. Because we the can't name. Asia at Red Dog. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, that would have me be 10,000 RMB ticket Yeah, no It, it, it cannot happen Because what are you going to pay her? With what? <laughs> drinks <laughs> Free drinks Hey, Asia, welcome Open Freedom. bar No, oh, uh-uh, that would not work Nope Yeah, yeah. you'd have to find a bigger venue Exactly You'd have to wait for China, in a sense, to lessen the restrictions Exactly The places Thank you So what would you say to, like, the younger generation like the young queens that would like to take up drag and i mean if you're in china look up
1: house of lily where find us on instagram at house underscore of underscore
0: lily lily and message us let us know so what advice would you give to the young gay man who is trying to start out gay Um, (laughs) gay. well girl you just gotta be gay (laughs) Make sure you like men (laughs) To start out drag (laughs) What would you do for them? Like, what would you say to them? Um... I would say... Like,
1: how to decide if you want to do drag? They want to, but they have
0: some hurdles that they need to cross Like, personal hurdles for themselves Like, hey, am I sure? Do I want to do this? Are they going to judge me? Oh, okay I'd say
1: just try it Mm -hmm. Come, you know, come to the house, our house, uh, and then just talk to us. We can explain to you further what drag is really about. Um, I think a lot of people don't really understand what drag really is until you have a conversation with a drag queen, and you understand what it means to get ready. You understand what it means to practice. You understand what it means to get in front of that stage and to talk to your customers, and to do it while you're drunk, and in and in like ten inch heels. And a wig that weighs, like, you know, two kilos, <laughs> and it's <laughs> a meter tall. And it's, and you're in sequins that catches That's on everything.
0: <laughs> so you just have to see it too. You have to see it, and you have to, you know, talk about it to really know what it means. Okay, where can people catch you on social media? Instagram... We chat Instagram What's What's your name? The, <laughs> Instagram. Oh,
1: oh, Instagram House H-A-U-S Underscore Of Underscore Lily L-I-L-Y And your personal one? My personal Instagram yeah. The Thick Asian T-H-E T-H-I-C-C A-S-I-A-N And
0: Twitter? <laughs> you guys can't have my Twitter Why? <laughs> now we want it Why? <laughs> Why can't we not on Twitter? <laughs> Just kidding. I don't have Twitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's lying. He's lying. Okay. Anyway, this was so great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michael, aka Tiger Lily. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. i Am I, Lily? Catch me on Instagram, lily2 underscore uh, g. On Twitter, guy. And catch us on at outsideradio.live. Until next time, bye-bye. Happy Bye. Human Rights Month.
1: Oh, happy Human Rights Month. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Bye-bye. You're listening to Outside Radio.